The Hunters. The Toskies. Oh yeah. O'Brien's pink face. First contact, sort of. Oh yeah. Sexually exploitative work contract provisions. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Roundabouts. Roundabouts. Hello. And welcome to Rules of Acquisition. As always, I'm Wade Bowen. With me is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And we're still talking about the greatest television series of all time. <laughs> or, okay, the not, maybe not the greatest television series of all time, but the greatest television series before The Sopranos. Yes, or maybe we're not talking about the great, the greatest television series we're talking about. Yeah, right. Maybe not before the, the greatest television series of 1992, uh, or was Next Generation still on then? Okay, well the next. Well, anyways, it's it's still important. That's all I'm all yes. sure. It's and it's worth talking about. That's what we're here for. People like NYPD Blue, but you know whatever was. Yeah, they should, there's no asses on Deep Space Nine. I'll say that. There isn't, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately. Yeah, fortunately. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, maybe Avery Brooks's ass. Would you like to see that? Yeah. Um, O'Brien. I could see. I could go with some some O'Brien ass. Some spotty Irish ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we're getting uh, off track, maybe. I was going to say ahead of ourselves, but I don't think his ass ever shows up. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I want to know if I... Is there anything I can watch that has Colmini's ass in it? Maybe I want to look that up. Maybe like Layer Cake or something. What's that Civil War TV show? He was Hell on Wheels. Well, I've got IMDb up, and there's something called... Um... There's this 90-minute film uh, that's just called Cole Meany's Ass. So maybe that's... <laughs> I think that's what you want. To the Pirate's Bay. <laughs> yeah, that might be what you're looking for. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so what we're... Oh, we're talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about sexual... I don't know what... Uh, we're talking about sex. <laughs> Baby. We're talking about sex, so let's lead into our first scene on this episode. Oh yeah, sorry. What was the name of this episode? Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this this episode was called Captive Pursuit. It uh, aired January 31st, 1993. It is episode five of season one. The description is: For the first time, an alien comes through the other side of the wormhole. He has ship trouble and seems very reluctant to accept any help. Chief O'Brien quickly finds out he has a secret. And that's that's it, man. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at a, that's the story. the the best The best that they can come uh, in season one for a wormhole story since the season series premiere. And and uh, what do you guys think we're dealing with here? Do you think this is a is this a good episode right off the bat? Let's unpack what you guys think. I like this episode. This is one of, like since since the the pilot. This has been my favorite episode so far. I actually like this episode too. Yeah. Do you, do you differ, Hugh? Uh, well, let's see. I, I like this enough. I think Chief O'Brien doesn't get on my nerves that much. I think this is where we start to see Chief. He was great in this yeah, episode. Say, how dare you? He's, not, he's great. I, I wouldn't say great. I think he's just fine. I, I think that this is where we. I almost said magnificent. <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> you know that movie with Angelina Jolie? Yeah, Maleficent. <laughs> he's doing Maleficent work here. No, I think he's doing like Yalman Yalman's work here. I think he's 
he did all of the things that you need to do. Because the show is undoubtedly about him. But he develops chemistry with the crocodile man. He <laughs> Yes, uh, the, uh, the guy who cam- comes through the, the wormhole with the secret is a crocodile man. Toss. And the secret is, is that he's being hunted by his own kind for some sort of game or sport or cultural rite of passage mm-hmm. that he's supposed to uh, be killed in this chase. And that's how he's achieved some sort of honor. Now, we've seen honor-bound aliens before, mm-hmm. and we've seen like culture clashes before, but the Deep Space Nine crew seems a little bit upset by the fact that their first contact from the Gamma Quadrant is uh, just basically, I don't know, like a fox in a fox hunt? They're upset about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I have, I have my own thoughts. But before we even get to that, do we want to talk about that first scene? <laughs> yes. Okay, let's... Fa- oh, yeah. Before we get to the alien... Yeah, let's... We need to unpack that. Okay, so <laughs> last episode, I was talking... I was rambling on about what is Quark's business. <laughs> this is all James and I want to talk about. <laughs> let's do it. What is the nature of Quark's business? How much business does he have off the books and on the books and all of that stuff? And I even said I, I thought that they were sort of candy coating what a quark would be like in this kind of society. And then this first scene, which uh, is between Cisco and Jamie Lee Curtis's older sister. <laughs> Look that up. That's who plays the skeleton alien? <laughs> That's who plays the skeleton alien. With tits? No way. That's Tony Curtis and Janet Lee's daughter. Uh, the other Tony Curtis and Janet Lee's daughter. She didn't get her own True Lies spinoff or anything? No, she, she didn't. But she spends Thanksgiving with Christopher Guest and... And her sister. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I, there's a lot of that in this show where it's this person is a friend of a friend of a friend who just, I don't know, like maybe they just, I don't know. I don't know. But they get like this kind of like bit work just when they need need it. Because most of her work on IMDb was just stuff her sister's in. Mm-hmm. But this was this was sort of the odd thing. Okay, so in this, they go like full crazy. Worf has it written into his contracts with his Dabo girls that he gets to fuck them. Quark? Quark does, right? You said, like, well, there's no Klingons. Yet. Oh, no, 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 no. Quark. Quark, sorry. Quark. <laughs> like different head apparatus of makeup. <laughs> yes, and it's more, more developed around the ears. Yeah. Oh, he's a fucking pimp. Like, I don't mean that like he's cool. I mean, like, it's written into... Yes. He's not off contract the shady person. He's... On paper, Shady, it's written into his fucking ledger. <laughs> yes. So he gets to fuck these girls, and it's written into his contract. I don't know. It's just de- the whole thing is played. And I think this might be one of the first times we've gotten anything where the sort of diversity issues or gender, it, where we you see 2015 is a much different time than 1993. Yeah. Because they would have, yeah. that, this scene would not be in a show nowadays. Oh, it would be in a show. It just it would just get resolved. Yeah, it would be about the, it wouldn't just be like Cisco. It was treated like a, oh, that rascally Quark. Yeah, Cisco's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Hey. Quark is systematically raping his employees. Yeah. But if you look at it within like fucking Star Trek ideology, it's like, oh. We'll accept your cultural differences. <laughs> well, and I think that's that, that's what they try to ham-fistedly touch upon because they have to. They throw the prime the prime directive steps on everybody's dick every time it's used in these shows. <laughs> yes, 
Isn't that about right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's ne- and it's there's a couple of episodes of Next Generation where it seems like they vigilantly uphold the Prime Directive against all other things. But most of the times when you have Prime Directive being shot about, it's basically going to lead by the end of the plot to someone breaking the Prime Directive. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually happens in this very episode. Yes, it does. Well, and I feel I feel that that's a difference between the Next Generation crew and the Deep Space Nine crew. Like the Next Generation crew are the kids at the front of the class asking, you know, for homework over the weekend. <laughs> and the Deep Space Nine crew are the kids who are like worried about where the next meal is going to come from. <laughs> They've got bigger fish to fry. Like they're more pragmatic and things are. They live in the real world in Deep Space Nine. Right, yes. right. They've got real problems. Cisco's like, oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll talk to Quark. You don't have to fuck him. Yes. And I do appreciate later on, in just talking about this in general, that when. When Cisco meets the first uh, person from the Gamma Quadrant, who is essentially a slave, that they don't make that, uh, they don't bring voice to that. They let that just sit there. Right. Oh, no, no. Picard would have called a conference about it. Everybody would have had to get around a table about it. They'd have to talk about it. You know what I mean? U.S. history. Yeah, yeah. But he just says, like, the whole first scene is played off like a quirk. He's so, he's so rascally. And 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 I was just like, no, this is a major issue. Yeah, yeah, this is some dark shit right off the bat. They hit it like they drop us in the deep end of the pool on this one, don't they, guys? Yes, and yeah, but but you know, Ferengi fuckies, uh, fuckies, oh jeez, <laughs> fucking or sex. Let me just say it. Uh, let me be demure about it. Yes, it's probably just like. Rubbing on earlobes or something. Not, it may, it's still not consensual rubbing of earlobes. Yeah, it's still yeah. like deeply uncomfortable about the Dabo girl situation. Yeah, there's probably ducks involved. And by the way, they don't play around. It's not subtext where he was trying to be friendly with me. They actually say sexual encounters. Yeah. They say that in it's the spirit, a, like in the show. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> so it's clear that they're talking like blowjobs and stuff. It was the first off note from that sort of diversity sort of perspective that I'd really like seen hammered. And then I think they do one at the end that is really offensive to me too, but we'll get to that then. Well, O'Brien kind of becomes after the Dabo girl thing. And after this guy comes through the gamma quadrant and then the rest of the episode is not about that at all. At all. It's dropped. In fact, you have two endearing scenes with Quark. (laughs) Right. Oh, he's such a slimy guy that wants to fuck his employee. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ain't he lovable? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's very weird. Okay, so Crocodile Man, who, by the way, uh, the staff that came up with the crocodile outfit and the red guy, the uh, red suited helmet guys, they won an Emmy for this episode. Wow, not not a whole lot going on at the Emmy that year, huh? <laughs> no. Because I have a major, there was something about the Crocodile Man suit that was so distracting to me that it, it distracted me in every scene of the show, and that's that his suit is a one-piece rubber suit, even though the character has got crocodile skin and he's wearing, like, a jumper over it. But they they made the... The jumper is clearly made out of the same piece of neoprene or whatever that the gator skin is. I did not even notice that. Okay, it bothered me in every scene. Because when you see him move, like, his... It's just... It moves, like, one piece, the jumper and his skin. That was... Okay, I'm the guy that's bothered by that kind of stuff, but that bothered me. 
Yeah, I have actually. That's I was going to get into some of that at the end, but <laughs> okay, I, I know what you're saying. I know it's, it's disconcerting yes. too. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here that's just not good. Uh-huh. Um, okay, one of the things I I didn't like. Uh, guess how long we go into this episode before Dax has a single line? <laughs> oh, she's in this episode. <laughs> yeah, what? I don't remember her at all. She has her first line. 25 minutes into it. Oh, wow. And she is arguably, she's being so, um, <laughs> at this point, like every episode that goes by, she's she's one of the most interesting characters, and she's so underutilized. Yeah. No, I agree. I get the feeling that they just don't know how to use everybody yet. I know two episodes from now, we have a big Dax episode that I think may recalibrate that. Right. It takes them at least seven episodes to they don't know what they're doing for a while. They've written these episodes and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, it it occurred to me that like maybe O'Brien was, in, you know, because O'Brien was a major character in last week's episode or he was in this week's episode, that maybe they're just trying yeah. to like, you remember him? He was the transporter guy in, in uh, Next Generation. Yeah, right. There's a lot of like, oh, we've got this Next Generation guy. Yes. So they're throwing him a lot of a lot of screen time early on. Yeah. And that that kind of I guess that's kind of one of the things that bugs me about like I feel like I'm getting like leftovers, <laughs> you know, from a better meal whenever they do that. Instead of why don't you just try to give me something new and different? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it, they they're so like half committed to this first season. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that because I I mean the scripts up until this point have been pretty poor compared to what you were getting on Next Generation. Just like the the dialogue, the writer's room was clearly a worse collection of writers. Right. So the scripts weren't punchy. The And I thought that this episode was the first time that I actually thought that there were, like, jokes that weren't jokey. That, like, O'Brien was, like, you know, he was making, you know, O'Brien was a smartass. O'Brien, O'Brien, had, a, O'Brien had a character beyond just what serviced the script. Right, right. Like, they told, they wrote, like, they said, like... I don't know if it was Colmini. It was like, I've got to develop this fast kinship with this crocodile man. So I have to like sort of force these scenes to where, you know, like a bond is created, like, you know, like, you know, two guys shooting the shit or joshing around. Uh, but I think it was in the screenplay too. I mean, I, it seems it was probably in the script because he's the way he's talking about him to Cisco and stuff like that. But like the whole thing about like, I can't have everyone in the gamma quadrant quadrant thinking I make, I fit, I'm shitty at working on ships or, you know, those kind of things were all kind of jokes that were right. The things that a normal writer, you know, a good writer writes at a script that bad writers don't. Right. Right. A little bit of depth. Yeah. Just color to the, to the way people say things and stuff like that. So I actually thought that this was a, uh, as, as poorly as like Odo and, well, we talked about Quark and Dax <laughs> were used. Yes. Like a whole third of the cast was used very poorly. Oh, yeah. I, I still thought it was a really, it was a pretty strong showing for Cisco. Cisco is actually like pragmatic as fuck in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, that's something I wrote down, too. He's got his shit together. He, he knows how to play with the prime directive correctly. And is like, all right, let it alone. Well, and there's also that one at that one point where, yeah, they're not quite sure what is going on with, with the alien from the Gamma Quadrant. And mm-hmm. he's, he, you know, Cisco says to O'Brien, if he's lying, 
find out why and if he just or just get him off get him off you know he's just like either way take care of the problem like he didn't really want to he didn't care at what point you know if it's an endanger to the station he just want wants him off the ship i will say they waived that first contact procedure rather fast yeah they're like wait a minute Are you sure you want to do this that seemed a little bit too easy for me mm-hmm well, what is the first contact? Like, they get in fancy suits, right? They get in their best Starfleet skirts. Yeah, yes, the skirt, the, the dresses. Unisex dresses. Yeah. They wear the dresses. Yeah, and I th- and I think we may get that with another game. I don't know. We may get that in a later episode. But yeah, I mean, like they were like, whatever this is, this guy is like, let's not do... You're right. They skirted protocol that it was like this sort of botched weird thing. Which, in the context of the whole show, I kind of like that even the first uh, occurrence with the the Gamma Quadrant was like a clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah. I, that fits really well, I think, with how things are going to go for them. Yeah, a morally ambiguous clusterfuck. And so that, you know, it was cute. Like, I mean, it was a, it was a nice sort of preset to how the whole thing went down. But no, I mean, yeah, I like that. More than anything, it seems to me that there was such a drive in uh, The Next Generation to Picard, like, the joy of discovery, or none of that shit. And, like, I like that on Deep Space Nine, they all have, we got jobs (laughs) to do. (laughs) Like, we're working. Like, we have political systems hanging the balance. Like, all of this stuff is going on. There's there's not, like, a lot of wide-eyed wonder to the future and to the vast expanse of space. It's like nitty gritty shit, and it in in that way, it's about good, complicated workplace sort of the thing that people like about shows like Veep or West right. Wing, where like all of these morally ambiguous or sort of complicated sort of things that has that, and I think not I'm not comparing it to Veep, but like Cisco has those sort of elements that I think. You know, that, that sort of pragmatic, get her, get it done, sort of... Get her done, you about said get her uh, done. I said get her done, yes. All right, Larry. <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually going to tie it into this sort of American theory of, you know, we're fix- we're plugging holes, we're fixing problems, you know? Right. Because I've, I've sort of come up on this sort of overarching thing that it seems America's, like, in the 21st century, and in the latter half of the 20th century, America's, like, overriding philosophy is, shut up, go to work. You know, like that's the American philosophy of things is what, what, you know, fuck you, get to work, you know? And so I think that that infects everything we, we talk about in politics is, and I think that that's like a thing in this show where they're like, we're working. It's the first time I thought of like on a show that when the hunters come in and blow off the door to court, uh, to Odo's prison cell right i think o'brien's gonna have to go fix that tomorrow right like that was i thought that (laughs) and i've never i never thought that kind of shit on a next generation because every every character's job every character's sort of philosophy was so so much loftier it actually helps that thought is plant supplanted because we've seen o'brien just like really bust his ass this whole season we're trying to keep (laughs) things working on the ship right mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah like the first episode he can't get stuff to work the last episode was the one where the the babble episode right where yeah the replicators were fucked up and that the whole first act is him fixing shit right and then <laughs> and it ends with shit breaking down and him fixing shit. so yeah and i think that we're beginning to see a little bit of continuity and we're sympathetic to their plights you know 
from episode to episode. Mm-hmm. Did Major Kira do anything this episode? Did she have a line? Uh, she ir- is she in it? I don't remember her. She irritated me a couple times, but other than that, yeah, she, you know, because there's lots of, the only the only way Dax got a line, the only way that Kira got a line was that Cisco would be debriefing O'Brien on his interactions with Tosk, and they would, like, throw in one-liners. Yeah. Right. So you don't trust him? Oh, I'm not saying I don't trust him. You know, like, there's all this stuff. And so they all have little filler lines there that could have just all went to Cisco, but you have to. None of visitors showed up on set this week, <laughs> yeah, so you got to give her a line. Yeah, or two. she's in the credits. We're paying her for her union rate. We got to give her something. Exactly. <laughs> did Bashir have a scene in Sick Bay? I can't remember. Like I just watched this episode. Yeah, did he? All they did. All they did when they were first when O'Brien was walking Tosk through the ship or through the station, he just went and this is our Sick Bay and this is our Doctor Julian Bashir and he shook like. They, they, they like had pleasantries. Hello, I'm Julian Bashir. <laughs> yeah. Shake hands. That was it. That, that was the only scene he was in. Give me my episode rate, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm contractedly obligated to be here. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm in the starring section of the credits. You owe me. So yes. That's what I was thinking of. Not to bird walk on another show, but just talking about people who are like getting their rate. Janelle Maloney on The Leftovers is in like a wheelchair and catatonic of like every episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And she's like, and I was thinking, she's making like good right because she's in the opening credits. So she's a featured player on the show. And she has not had a line in two seasons. (laughs) And like, that's, I mean, I'm sure she would rather be working on better things, but that's good work if you can get it. I think she's happier with what she's getting. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like on Fargo with Colonel Ty from Battlestar Galactica. He's on the second season of Fargo and he's just in a wheelchair. And so. Well, the thing is that with these, the Star Trek bit players, mm-hmm. like you, you can make a whole secondary career, right? Just off the convention. Like I'm sure the guy who was in the foam head at Quark's bar. What What is that alien? That's just in, in, every, oh, in every episode. Norm. Morm. Morm. Morn. Morn. It's yeah, Norm backwards. He's like Norm. It's like a play on Norm, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's from and, Cheers. Yeah. But he never talks. Right. I'm sure he's signing autographs for 20 bucks a pop, like, yes. like you know, 40 weeks out of the year. Oh, he's getting 40. He's getting 40 bucks a pop, I bet. 40 bucks a pop, <laughs> like how many weekends of the year, right? Like At a Star Trek convention, he's, well, at a deep, okay, never mind. At a Deep Space Nine convention, he's getting 40 bucks. <laughs> and every year one, he's getting about 15. You're right. Yeah. So, like, that, I mean, that, you're right. And that, that's good work. I'm not, you know, like, I, I'm not, I know a lot of these guys do that. I know that, like, all of the characters who've been casually murdered off of Game of Thrones now just do the convention circuit, you know, and that's, that's a good work. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't judging these guys. I'd love to be killed on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I would love to be killed on Game of Thrones and get to have my own booth at conventions all across the country for 40 bucks a signature or whatever they do. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, and a lot of these, the, the foam head guys are also other foam head guys in other episodes. Right. Like both the Hunter and a Tosk in this episode have done multiple Star Trek things before. Or after, or before, or after. Yeah, probably all of the above, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, like, same way uh, Armin Shimmerman was, like, every Ferengi before Quark on Next Generation. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're, we're, what else do we have on this episode? Uh, I do want to say, like, 
when they when they they get into the hunt and then uh O'Brien's like, Okay, I'm gonna help out Tosk and I'm mm-hmm. gonna go out and they're like, Ha, ah, I killed these people. They're dead, but that that's what they wanted. All right. <laughs> uh, is it this funny? I kill these people, but they, it, they love it because this is part of their culture. <laughs> yeah, and then right. and then Cisco's like, "All right, there you go. I get it." Yeah, where they? I mean, I guess they're dead, and they never show up. And that's they. It's kind of framed as their. It's the most dangerous game. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he should be able to murder them. He's kind of a. Is he threatening though? Is the, the would the show be better if he was more threatening? O'Brien, or who Tosk or O'Brien? Tosk, Tosk. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into that part of the show if you want to. What would what would you change? Let's get the. In, what would you change about this? Oh, episode? I don't know. I mean, I'm asking because I think it's. I, I I'm not a, I'm not uh, coming at it from a, like a very specific point of view because I think that there's something about like how kind of bumbling mumbling Tosk is and kind of like. Opie Taylor homespun sort of thing. Right. That like I think that makes it sort of off putting. Yes, it is. And and and, and maybe not off Is this is he supposed to be more sympathetic if he's more child like childlike? Yeah, I think it quickly makes you bond with him. Where if he was like just a like a monster and over time you see that, you know, he's playing a role and he does you know, he's just a he's just a guy trying to do his job in the world, then you would you know, I think that it was going for that more quick, quicker bonding where he was kind of childlike and he was like, you guys have too much time. You know, you got your, you know, we don't get to we're just work and we sleep for 17 minutes and we work all day and we don't have time to think about our bitchy wives, which is a reoccurring motif with O'Brien. Yeah, that's <laughs> the worst. That's the worst. That was the problem. That was the thing in the end that offended me. But um, that whole sort of thing may maybe sort of created sort of more of a bond, male bonding thing. Yeah, male bonding through shitting on women. Is that that's a basic? That's <laughs> yes, that's, that's a, pretty. We've said this writers room's not their best. So like Right. Yes, exactly that's exactly what it was. All their women writers were saving up to go to Voyager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, actually this uh, yeah, but I guess in fairness this the, the co-writer of the screenplay or the first writer of the screenplay was a woman, but then Mark Pillar rewrote it or michael pillar rewrote it so that's something but it, it still it's got it's got some stink in it uh of of sexism and misogyny but you mean like the fucking contract the fucking contract <laughs> <laughs> and then when cisco at the end says if you if you do this again your wife will won't have to keep bitching about how much you don't like it here <laughs> right <laughs> which they already established that she has gotten over it, got a job as a teacher, and, like, went to work and, like, did her fucking job. She's, like, working her ass off to educate Cisco's child. Well, and he I will that- give, I'll <laughs> give Cisco some credit here. He's, like, playing both sides. That's, like, where he's good at just, like, he's better at toying with the Prime Directive than any of the other captains. In yeah, a way. I get the I get that there was he's a, like we don't know sh- we don't know shit about we don't know shit about Dax, but we know all of Keiko's foibles is what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I, well, I still say that Cisco's a, at the end, he's like, I have to be an asshole, but I'm like on board the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But he said that little line and I was like, you basically just called Keiko uh, anyway. Okay, well, let's go into this now. You basically just called Keiko a bitch. 
You're, you don't have to listen to your wife's whining about not liking the station anymore. Right. And I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, it's... Don't bring his wife into it. Yeah, that was like one scene in episode two, and since then, she's worked, she's done her job. Like, I don't know what the deal was. That was just, I thought, rude. It was a... The writers were trying to write that, you know, all of your little problems will be solved very quickly if you do this again, but that's not what you want. Right. But... Instead, they just wrote this misogynistic piece of shit about a hardworking woman who's trying to work <laughs> to work to educate Cisco's child. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's Keiko should be like the only hero of, of Deep Space Nine. Is Keiko? <laughs> <laughs> she had a career. She was an educated, high level botanist. Botanist. She got a position on the flagship of the Federation. And uh, her only downfall was falling for Ryan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, some some fucking enlisted engineer, enlisted mechanic. Yes, unless he's an engineer, but he's a mechanic. Yeah, like most of you know, Jordy was it? You know, Jordy he spends much more time on his knees and crawling under panels than Jordy ever did. O'Brien smells like old plasma coils, <laughs> and Jordy just, he is like, he doesn't smell like anything because he tells people what to do. Yes. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's a, he's, and I like that there's a, a fixer. I like that on the ship, but it's still, it's, it's crazy. But back to Tosk, was he threatening? When he does that little jump, which is the first, I think maybe the first action scene since the pilot. Oh, his little chameleon jump? Yeah, where he jumps and attacks one of the hunters. I think he's supposed to be scary because we can't see him. I think that's to imply that this guy can, is scary. Yeah. Yeah, all his jumps feel like a baby jumping out and yelling, boo. Yeah. <laughs> like, he also had a noticeable pot belly. Yeah. So it's like, it makes me think he's probably not at the height of physical. F- I mean, I, I don't know how tusks are built. You don't know where their muscles and organs lie. I don't, but it, it reads to my eye as like, he's like a paunchy loser who's in a bad situation. And I think that that serves the front, a part of the script, but doesn't serve the part where he's supposed to be a genetically engineered badass. Because I think you're supposed to think later on, and, you know, not to get into spoilers, but I think you think you're supposed to think he's a precursor of the Jim Hadar. I, well, I hope that you're supposed to think that. I think you're giving him too much credit. That's my, that's where I take issue with this episode. Oh, is it too much like the Jim Hadar? No, it's not enough. They don't, (laughs) they don't bring the first aliens back because they, they think they get to something better. They're just jerking around right now. Yeah. We've got an alien and then they get, yeah, they're, they land on the Jim Hadar and they forget all about these guys. Okay. So is this the first time we start talking about, do you think that Berman or Pillar or anyone had on a, a, when this episode was being written, do you think that there was a master copy or an outline that had the name Dominion and had the outline of the Dominion on it? No. No. Okay. No. I, I feel like they're so – they've got their – they're like half in – they're half-assing so much of the series that I don't think they're really giving themselves a chance at the overall arc of the whole series just yet. Mm-hmm. No, I think at this point they had planned, we're going to have an alien of the week come through the wormhole. Yes. And that's how we're going to play this. And then people got upset and said, this show sucks. <laughs> they don't fight anybody. They don't have any big enemies. They don't go anywhere. So what the fuck? And then they're like, oh, we got to change things. And then they brought in a Jen Hadar. And then probably Probably Ronald D. Moore started getting involved. I'd like to think because he's yeah probably great. I want to think he's great. I love 
that first two seasons of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I, I want to say he's saying. Yeah, that. I think, wait, wait, what you're saying, I like what you're saying because basically it's like um, the writers have like a rebuttal for everything. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. They don't, what, what the fuck, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't go anywhere. And then the writers are like, no, you don't understand. They're they're real people with real problems. Yeah, they gotta worry yeah. about fixing the doors. You well, know? that's the, okay, but all of these things, I I think episodes. We are you're right, and I agree with you on episodes two through five here. But the pilot was oozing with political complications from Bajor versus the Cardassians. All of the crap, the religious stuff, and the implications of Cisco and the wormhole and all of that stuff. That was a big pilot. It was. And I know that that was probably an all-hands-on-deck thing, and Michael Piller was probably writing that for a year in the pitching stages, and now that they got to this. But later on, it becomes that again where huge ideas and really complicated things are just flying all over the place. But right now with this rubber alien steps on board and they solve it thing, why is this the second, third, fourth, fifth song on this album? I think they got distracted by, we have to fill 22 episodes (laughs) a season. Uh There was none of this like Sopranos or Mad Men where we can do 10 episodes. Cable wasn't a thing. We have to sell this to the networks. We have to fit 22 episodes in a season. So we got to pad this out. And then they get into padding it out. And then there's like, we got to do- jump on with weight. What mm-hmm. weight is saying is that like what I said last week, like Star Trek Deep Space Nine is a show with obligations. They have to have the green guy in the rubber suit episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're obligated. But it's all like five episodes in and it's all green guys in a rubber suit. And the show should be, and I and I know they get to this, and to the people who maybe are following us and watching it episode by episode new, they get into that and it gets good again. But it seems like they're just, after having like a really great mission statement and a really great blueprint for how the show should go, they just can't get their shit together on a script by script basis. Where if they're going to go that way, or if they feel bogged down by a 22 episode season, you skimp on episodes eight and 13 and 15 and 17, you know, but you marble it with the good stuff but it seems like this is just a, this whole season was just a good idea that no one followed through with yeah that's kind of how i felt when i talked about in the first episode when i, I stopped watching it because i felt like all the stuff that i was promised in the pilot episode never came yeah yeah and it, it, it's it's mind-boggling to me and it seems like they're writing these shows in ways where when you have a cast a standard cast of seven actors basically any great script is going to be a conversation between three people at most, you know, with other people. So you're not going to get a lot of Bashir in each episode. But five episodes in, I, I feel like I don't know what I'm watching. I don't have a clear vision of who Dax is. I don't, I mean, I feel like I know Kira a little bit, but she's supposed to be the most interesting character on the show. Odo is supposed to be this character shrouded in all this mystery that they haven't even established yet. Yeah. This is a man who doesn't know who he is and has unforeseen, never seen before superpowers. And he's like a bit player. Right. Well, morphing. Actually, he's such an afterthought in this. They they trust o- and trust O'Brien to keep tabs on him. This And, and Odo, the shapeshifter. Right. Well, morphing technology and effects were still such a big deal after that Michael Jackson video. Oh, yeah. Or, what was the song? Uh, black and white. Yes. Black or white. <laughs> 
And so all those morphing Odo shots had to cost so much money. But yeah. they didn't, I don't even need to see him change. It's not just the mystery of where he's from, which is super interesting and consumes most of the show from later on. But just the idea that he worked with Cardassians, the idea that he's of the sh- of the space station and not of a people group. Yeah. And all of the kind of stories that you could just quickly, I felt like after the pilot was like a good to go, and after they got it approved and greenlit, and then they create a writer's room for the show. Me, you, and Wade could throw out, like, 20 good ideas to that, that were fertile and interesting and not seen before because it's an interesting setup. But all of these things are just aliens of the week. It's, right. it's, it's Next Generation Season 1 all over again. And I don't know... I mean, it's a Rick Berman problem. It's, uh, it's. I will give it credit. It's a little bit better than Next Generation Season <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh yeah. boy. But they also probably had more money too. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, and this is like we're talking. I mean, I think this is a good episode. I do too. I think this. I think this would be a fine episode in season six. Yeah. I mean, it's more complicated, obviously, but like I think this would if, an episode like this would be fine. But we need the good stuff. <laughs> quickly uh, and i don't know why they're so timid about it and I'm, i would be interested in reading more about it but there doesn't seem to be a lot out there of a story of why why this was sort of slow to launch yeah yeah i think they just didn't know what they were doing have we gotten into what we would change it we should probably go for it yeah i want to hear what, what what would you change wade well my whole thing i like this episode a lot so what i would change is everything else <laughs> Yeah. These, this is the first alien to come through the wormhole. This is the last time this alien comes up ever. Mm-hmm. And so if this alien is coming through the wormhole, through Dominion space, the Dominion, should it should have some, uh, I don't want to spoil anything later, it should have some hierarchy or reference. Even if they don't know what's going on uh. now. Later, they should at least reference. I it. think that if we think that they there is not a piece of paper at this time that has the word Dominion or anything like that, or has the Jim Hadar or the Vorda or any of that stuff s- s- established, then they would want to go back later on. They would have loved to have went back, and if this episode, if they could go back and do it over again, they would make this character a Jim Hadar character. Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah, because he kind of even looks like a Geminar. He does. Not, yeah. He's green. It, mm-hmm. He's not gray. He's green. And well, he his appearance actually goes into what I actually wanted to change about this episode. I hated the fact that whenever you see the quote unquote like smart Gamma Quadrant <laughs> yeah. alien, he's got hair. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's a lizard with with human hair. And that's like supposed to signify that he's different. He's smarter. Yeah, he's smarter. So of course he's got human hair. If they and that's yeah. the thing I hated the most. I just hated that about <laughs> this episode. I know that's stupid and nitpicky. If they just called out later on that the Jim Hadar are based on this race that were created for this other thing, because it it would make so much sense if they're like mm-hmm. sister species or something. Now that's a popular fan, but they would have had to brought it back. Right. 
on on memory alpha that's a popular fan theory that these are that this was like a early founders creation that was gifted to the hunters which i don't think have a name other than the hunters right he's tusk but they're not called anything oh, the, yeah 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 they're just like ant-man mixed with the um, ant-man suit the ant-man guy. yeah yeah mixed with uh the cylons <laughs> Yeah, or the Doctor Who Cybermen. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) They're Ant-Man Cybermen. I think that that they could go back and change that. Even if they didn't know it then, you could bring back Tosks or them something and fix it later. But it doesn't fix this. I don't know what I would fix about this episode. Because I think they're doing, like, this would be a really good, this would be a fine Next Generation Season 3 episode. Uh, it would be the best episode that season. Yeah. But I think looking forward, I mean, this may be one of the best episodes of the season outside of the pilot. Is this the best one that we've seen so far, do you think? Yeah. Outside of the pilot. I think the pilot holds up pretty well. Well, what is is it even better than the one that we liked? Not Babel, but the one before that. Um, Cast prologue? Yeah. Wait, we liked the one. We didn't like the one about Odo. We liked the one about... Test Prologue is the third one. A Man Alone is the second one that we didn't like. That's about Odo. We liked Past Prologue where, where Kira had to make a decision on whether she was going to help the terrorists. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, a, I mean, that was a fine episode. I like this more than that. I definitely like this more than that. If nothing else, if you're going to give me like a bland episode, give me, I know you don't feel this way, Hugh, but give me Colmini over Nana Visitor any day. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, you're, a, I, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm alone with that. I think she's more interesting. I like none of okay. I like Cole Meany a lot more. Yeah. And so I feel like when you're watching scenes with him, you're you're watching like scenes like, okay, this guy's an actor. And I don't I hope I'm not being affected by the fact that he does have a post Deep Space Nine career. Uh, you know, he's good and st- he's still working. He's getting good roles still in two countries. So that's nice. He's kind of like a go-to Irishman in a lot of, like, if you need an Irish villain, you go to him. And I, I feel like he, you know, he's one of those workers of, of like, character-driven or character, you know, character parts in good movies or action movies or whatever. And so I hope I'm not being infected by just the externality that he's had a successful acting career. And not a visitor, let's... <laughs> You're back in a real winner <laughs> yeah. from the outset. He's probably had- yeah, no, he's had the best post Deep Space Nine career. And I guess probably Alexander Siddig is second. But he gets to play all of the juicy terrorist roles after, uh, you know, over the last 10, 15 years. Right. And there's more call for those than Irishmen, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I'm backing a winner. Not a visitor clearly has not had a good career after this. You know, but I, I still think like he's he knows how to act. You know, I think Armin Shimmerman uh, in Quark scenes, he knows how to act. So you feel like you're in good hands in a scene. But like there's scenes like last week's episode, there was a scene between uh, Dax and, and Kira. And it was like a little bit choppy to me. And your mind starts to wander away from the show just because there's not a lot of juiciness to the scenes. And I, so I like it that way. Um, what I would change about it, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I'm really struggling with it. I mean, I think it's a fine episode filler. I obviously, I would rather get into the meat of the promise of the show. Give me conflicts with Bajorans against Bajorans and Bajorans against Cardassians, and give me, you know, all of that kind of stuff. This is just sort of a distraction episode. 
And so it's fine. I don't think I would change much, but I, I'm irritated that this is the best thing they have right now that, that they've given us so far, I guess is what I would say. Right. I think we've covered this one pretty well. What do you think, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything that you would change here? No, just the hair. <laughs> that, that, that irritated me the most. So, okay, oh, bald people can't be smart. Yeah, I would say that I, if you're going to have a guy in a ju- in a jumper and he's in a, he's going to be covered head to toe in a rubber suit, and he's going to have a put two different. Suits it should be also. clearly two different fabrics <laughs> because the hunter's dress and fabric like that kind of. But I feel like I'm nitpicking against, like, these guys won an Oscar, or an, uh, not an Oscar. These guys won an Emmy for this show, for this. <laughs> they did not win that. No, I think the hunters should have been come in, in uh, with uh, spectacles <laughs> on. And that's, and that's how you knew that they were the smart ones. But not hair, yes. Not hair. They should have been bald with spectacles. But also, okay, so I'll, I'll give you this. It's confusing to me. Are they of the same race? Or were these, like, genetically modified, like... We can't hunt ourselves, so let's genetically modify or acquire, acquire some genetically modified sentient smart, you know, being to basically reenact, you know, the most dangerous game, <laughs> which is what this, it's just the, the, the most dangerous game. Oh, totally. But the, but the game wants to play as opposed to the most dangerous game. Like, what the fuck are you hunting me for? They're like, no, I need to be hunted. Yeah, and yeah. You... That's why the Prime Directive works. Exactly, because he's I like... Guess. Yeah, so I mean, I, all of that's fine. I, I just, I was confused because they look so similar. Are they the same race, or are they the same species, but just a different race of the species, or whatever? And I, I would have liked that to have been more clear. Hair didn't do it for me. You're right, Hugh. Yeah. It was a little upsetting, isn't it, to see a lizard with such nice hair? I did notice though <laughs> that his face had asymmetrical scaling, which I thought was a nice touch. That wasn't like I think like the the quick and easy way to go is to give him symmetrical scaling. Tosk had it like the hunter's faced. He looked, he looked a little more dignified. I'll give him that. Maybe the hair, maybe the hair helps. But anyway, yeah, this is a. Oh, all right. Are we gonna find? Are, are we gonna find it to where it's gonna be more fun to talk about the bad episodes? Well, we'll see. Because I feel like I don't know. Babel, Babel was pretty awful, and I felt like we struggled. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that was. <laughs> I haven't watched ahead, but do we have like a drought of good episodes coming up? So we'll find out. Well, okay, we have a Q. The next episode's a Q episode. Yeah, okay. Oh, there's a lot right. to unpack there, <laughs> um, and it involves a character that I don't remember from Next Generation. Was there some? I do. There was a girl that like Picard had a one night stand, um, and then she left him for yeah. Q. <laughs> oh, she was like, a, of... was she like an Indiana Jones type Jim Hunter? It was like Picard's Karen Allen from oh, Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, right. I remember her uh, exactly. I, I liked her in Next Generation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she she's in this. So she, that's something that we'll we'll get to we'll get to oh, look forward to next week. Right. I remember now. And then after. Yeah, grow. Yeah, and then after that episode, <laughs> after that episode, we have an episode where Dax's former body could have potentially killed a man, a a, a, uh, a husband. Oh, <laughs> finally, we get into some interesting Dax shit. Yeah, could have potentially killed a former. The husband of a woman he was having an affair with. Okay. And the whole question is whether is Dax, Jadzia Dax, legally liable for things that Curzon Dax did. Well, that sounds That's... very fascinating. Uh, anybody <laughs> that thinks that is as fascinating as we do, 
or do not <laughs> listen in later on to figure out how boring or exciting we think it might be. Uh, so uh, I, I think that might be a good place to end the episode. That's a great place to end. That's what we have to look forward to. Help us get through it, please. Uh, thanks for listening. Yes. Good night, everybody. A good night. The end. <laughs> I clap. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod and on Tumblr at the rules of acquisitionpodcast.tumblr.com. Send us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. You can turn this off now. It's pretty pathetic that you are still listening. Do you not have friends, or a hobby that is not Star Trek podcast related? That is possibly why people are fearful for the future of our society. We believe in you. We know you are better than this.